welcome to this week's episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. A very special episode, tinged with sadness, uh, as it will be the last appearance of none other than Damien Wilde. Uh, Damien is moving on at the end of the month after a remarkable 13 years at EG, previously as editor and most recently as director of market development. And as has become the tradition, the exit interview takes place right here on EGLSM. Damien, how does it feel to be stepping away from EG after so very long? Well, I was surprised to hear you confirm that you won't ever have me back on the podcast <laughs> then. I thought I might be an ongoing guest, but uh, no, it's um, it's a weird mixture of emotions, actually. I'm excited about what I'm going on to be doing, um, but this isn't an easy place to leave. You know, the, the people, the brand, um, this studio, <laughs> even. Seeing Roland on the controls in the corner. <laughs> it, yeah, so a, mi- a mm. mixture of emotions, but mainly ex- excitement on balance. Always, always glad to have you back as a guest, but your final appearance as a member of the team, I should have said. I feel um, I've begged now. <laughs> now, now, back in 2009, uh, the world was a very different place. Uh, that year, Michael Jackson died. Lady Gaga topped the charts with Poker Face. Glee took the world by storm. Avatar set box office records. And the year's second most significant new starter was Barack Obama formally sworn in as president of the USA. Since then, your time at EG has encompassed an economic recovery, a London Olympics, Brexit, COVID, as well as four different UK prime ministers and the entire presidential terms of both Obama and Trump. That's some pretty major history, uh, but how would you sum up how real estate has changed in that time? Well, I'm certainly feeling (laughs) (laughs) under-researched now. That was exceptional. Some of it I remember, uh, some of it I've forgotten, and much of it I've chosen to block out, I think. I think real estate has has changed pretty significantly. I was tempted to say that everything's changed and nothing has changed (laughs) in in many respects, but I think that, that would be doing it a disservice. I think there has been a lot of change. I think there's been a lot of change in the language, um, a lot of change in its priorities and a lot of change in the people as well. And I think all of those things are probably wrapped up with one another. Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts on the state of the sector right now uh, in summer 2022? I wish you'd asked me this three or four months ago, <laughs> <laughs> actually, when when I think like many people out there, I was feeling much more optimistic. It felt like we were coming through covid mm-hmm. um there was uh you know there was a, a sense of momentum perhaps a surprisingly positive 2021 that was carrying uh into 2022 and then unfortunately since then there have been some um you know some real real tragic um events in the in the wider environment not least ukraine but not confined to ukraine and that's changed sentiment quite quite significantly so I'm, I'm going to answer this question as if it were early February mm-hmm. 2022 <laughs> if, if that's okay because I think that going back to some of those changes that have taken place in the last 12 13 years the changes of language you know I think we're not just talking about buildings we're talking about place and more often than not it's meant as as well which is good I think some of those um, acronyms and abbreviations that we we all use routinely, DNI, ESG, etc. They're all very much changes for the better, and again, meant more often than than just said 
which is which is really positive and that feeds through into real estate's priorities so i think the being able to apply that in a market which had some momentum and some growth prospects after not just covid had destabilized things but i'm not sure we'd fully recovered from brexit mm. either um really was was a real a real positive so i hope the um well I, I hope first and foremost that some of the tragic events we've seen are are undone but also i hope that we can get back to um to behaving purposefully in a positive environment mm-hmm. yeah and, and you mentioned uh dni and e- esg I, I think certainly uh on the former i imagine it must you must have seen an immense amount of change since 2009 if you if you think back to the kind of things that people might have done and said back in 2009 and and how how their thinking has evolved in those 13 years that must be quite a transformation yeah and i think that probably um speaks to that that last significant change i alluded to around people really and you know i I often get asked you know where are where are the characters in real estate where where are the new characters that are coming through and i'm not sure we're seeing that really i think you know there's different reasons for that you know one perhaps um you know that sort of you know colorful personality and that um you know very much one person driving things one man driving things you know thinking back to those days particularly they've probably been fca'd out of the sector a little bit i've always felt that real estate was perhaps the last sector to feel that um you know that sort of profound regulatory influence and you know which in some ways is a shame but in other in other ways is a is a great positive that perhaps we are we are seeing a more progressive attitude at the Mm. top of more organizations than perhaps we were then certainly if i think back to the first dg awards that i um that i introduced back in 2009 i think i've been in the job for about six weeks and uh, hadn't worked in or around real estate before so very very um green to to use its old meaning and i remember looking out on the sea of white male faces at that awards and being surprised and i'd come from a world of accountancy and finance directors where it wasn't hugely different but it was different enough to notice um that uh, you know this was a sector that was perhaps a little bit behind uh, even other branches of professional services and uh as we said at the start you're you're moving on now from eg I, I don't believe you you've got that that farmer's weekly gig that you once told me that was your your dream job no no sadly that never came to pass i was hoping at one stage to be the first vegetarian editor of farmers <laughs> weekly but uh, um but I, I never handed in my cv uh, well, well perhaps this is this is another stepping stone but you are you are um moving on to your new role as managing director of ing media uh what are you hoping to bring over from the world of real estate journalism to property pr yeah it's it's a question that i've, I've been asked quite a lot and one that i'm i'm so I probably give a different answer to every time. So apologies to, to anyone who has heard me um, give this answer. But, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, we'll still be dealing with the same sector, dealing with the same people. And I hope dealing with the same challenges that this sector is, um, is facing from a different side of the table. And I think, um, you know, those challenges I've already alluded to, but I think that ability to... Um, to really capitalise on that sense of purpose in the industry, we've seen a, you know the rise of B Corps. We've seen um, you know that increased focus on ESG, on on uh, DNI as well, and much more besides. And I think there is there is a um, 
you know, there's a coalition of the willing, and I think it's a coalition that's growing. So I guess that that's the grand plan. Um, I think also from an ing point of view, just getting back down to you know the core of the business, you know, it's about working across the the built environment and trying to bring the built environment a bit closer together. I'm not sure architects and developers and investors talk as often as they should to each other, and I think someone like ing and others as well uh, can play a really positive role in encouraging that. And as you leave us behind, uh, what are your thoughts and reflections on EG uh, and its position in the sector? Again, at the risk of being overly self-analytical here, but at the risk of sounding self-righteous, I never forget what a privilege it is to, um, you know, to have been editor of EG. Before me, there were only six editors of EG, which is just an astonishing number, you know, in a hundred and sixty something years of uh, of history. So a, r- a real privilege to have done that and to have to have worked here throughout. And just in my time, seeing um, seeing the brand change so much, you know, from what was essentially a magazine business, not only, um, you know, with a sort of almost a data sideline into being a data business, still with a very strong magazine that isn't going anywhere in a hurry. Um, and uh, you know a really uh, strong events business alongside it as well, and I think it'll be um, it'll be fascinating to see how that develops in the year ahead. And I've got no doubt that the content will continue to be great. Sam is doing a, a fantastic job there, uh, focusing on you know many you know she's initiated our focus on many of the things that we've been talking about already already, and you know how the how the data business continues to develop. And I think you know we're. You know, I, I like to believe we're an intelligence tool um, for the industry and um, and I can only see us getting stronger in, in fulfilling that role. It seems a missed opportunity that we don't have eight oil paintings in the lobby of the editors of EG. Yeah, on the stairs. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we should uh, get some commissioned. Well, I, I'm available. <laughs> uh, to sit for a picture, not to paint the pictures, <laughs> I should add. Now, I do have a few questions... Uh, that I've collated from other you, members in the team. You promised me you weren't going to run a quiz of uh, all issues of EG not, over the last 12, not, 13 uh, no, years. It's, it's not a quiz, uh, but it, it's a few things, a few few talking points. Uh, so one thing that, that we all know, and, and I'm sure many people uh, listening know, is that uh, you love your music uh, in all its forms, uh, whether it's uh, your, your impressive vinyl collection or or digital, uh, and in fact, I believe you still have all your old Walkmans, CD players, iPods laying around. Is that right? I wouldn't say all of them. Most. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, um, you know, one of my proudest possessions is my Walkman Two from <laughs> 1981, which I only a couple of years ago actually I found it in the loft, and I thought, I, I obviously I need to get this going again. It would mm-hmm. be criminal yeah. not to use it, and so I took it to a. Um, I went downstairs in one of those shops that you can still find on Tottenham Court Road. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm sure that's been there for the last, not just 13 years, the last 30 years, really. And ho- long may that continue, even as uh, development goes on around it. And, yeah, I got it repaired. And um, I even managed, I was so excited that I even managed to, actually, I think, I think I'm thinking, I think I'm looking at the person who will have prompted this question, Roland, because I showed him excitedly. And we ran an event in Manchester. And I thought, well, I, I just need to find a, I can't even remember what the reason was, but I managed to engineer a reason to play 
um, a free tape that had come <laughs> with NME in the early 1990s and had an Oasis demo on it. And I played that through my 1981 Walkman 2 to, uh, to an audience, which I think was quite impressed. I certainly thought they were. <laughs> I was, anyway. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed right now, so I, I wasn't even listening. <laughs> um, so you haven't been given any uh, preparation time for this, I'm afraid, but if you were on Desert Island Discs, uh, what would be your, your eight tracks, or there are roughly eight tracks? What would you have to have? Oh, that, is, that is such a difficult <laughs> question. <laughs> um, so, I, well, I'd be tempted to take the first record I ever bought, mm -hmm. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran. Oh, I, still have that, I still have that seven inch in, in A-frame uh, on my shelf. I would certainly take all eight tracks might come from the Lexicon of Love by ABC, oh, actually, wow. or seven of those tracks. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing them not for the first time at the Albert Hall with an orchestra oh. later this month. Um, I would probably pick something off the Stone Roses first album <laughs> and not go near anything else <laughs> um, that they produced. And, um, and I don't know. I don't know what else. Uh, that, that, that's for about 23 tracks there, isn't it? Yeah, just and what, what would be your, what's your absolute guiltiest pleasure? What's the one record that you love that you've never voluntarily shared with anyone until now? Um, I, it's a bit cliche to say there's no such thing as a guilty pleasure, <laughs> isn't there? But um, I, I almost entirely believe that. I could, if Sam were here mm -hmm. and answering this question and she had... Um, I don't know how to combine out my brain and hers, but uh, I'm not about to sing. Sam, <laughs> Sam would probably sing it, but um, but I'm a big fan of "Better the Devil You Know" by Kylie. Ah, uh, very good. And I've been asked to uh, nothing. Ask you. And I don't. I say that with no guilt whatsoever. No, I say it with celebration. Well, right, yeah, own it. Um, and I've been asked to ask you who is your favourite current artist right now. Um, I wonder. Well, my fav my favourite song of the last several months is I know what <laughs> I do know what um, is being hinted at. I would I would pick Wet Leg and oh, yes. their banger Shays Long, but mm -hmm. that's probably been asked by Sam, hasn't it? Uh, this this question has been asked by Sean. By Sh oh by Sean, yeah. yeah, I did recommend this one to him. So he is a big fan of the concept, the Japanese concept of continual improvement, Kaizen. Yep. And there is a wonderful song by a band called. Uh, whose name you spell P-E-A-N-E-S-S. -E um, take care with the pronunciation. <laughs> but, um, but Kaizen by P-Ness right. is, okay. is another cracker. I'll be Googling that uh, straight after this. Um, it is perhaps slightly odd that you haven't listed Firestarter among your choices. Uh, you have, do have a little bit of a reputation in that respect, uh, particularly at Christmas parties. I blame you, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> we were giving we were giving out some awards at a Christmas party a few years ago, and uh, Jess presented me for reasons I can't remember with a sparkly purple plastic hat, I think, and I, I took it gratefully and carried on with um, whatever it was that I was saying to the team, and I placed it carefully on the on the uh, surface behind me, not noticing there was a candle. <laughs> Suddenly everyone looked um, more taken with what I was saying <laughs> than I expected, but there were flames <laughs> dancing behind me. Uh, and also you set fire to your oven, I'm told? Yeah, yeah, there is something about that. Ne <laughs> never toast your muesli if you've added more <laughs> coconut and mixed nuts. Never toast your muesli, yeah. the, the Damien Wilde memoir coming to 
bookshop stores near you. It's a metaphor for life, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was um, it was quite something. And uh, finally, we can we can only ask about one thing: When did your obsession with public toilets begin? I've always been fascinated by public toilets. I think uh, the first toilet I remember really uh, falling in love with <laughs> was. Um, was in was in Hong Kong actually, you know, where there are so many wonderful tall buildings. And I think it was in was there a bar or a restaurant called Felix there, where you um, you went up there and you got this amazing view of the um, of the harbour, and that that was an early favourite. You know, there's some great toilets in the Shard and plenty of other places besides as well. Uh, do you thanks, have Emily. A, do you have a <laughs> indeed? Uh, thanks, Emily. Uh, do you have a current number one toilet in the world? <laughs> 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 I'm tempted to say I have both a number one and a number two. Um, well, I'm sure I was talking about a toilet only recently. I, I can't remember where it is. I mean, I've quite enjoyed, um, you know, I think uh, <laughs> I think a Japanese toilet has mm. its place um, in plenty of places. And there are some fine ones in London now. I'll say no more than that. <laughs> how, are the, how are the toilets at Ing? Uh, very nice. Very nice. It's it's a lovely Shoreditch office, <laughs> so uh, suitably lovely toilets. <laughs> uh, many thanks, Damien, uh, not only for taking part in this week's EG Light Sunday morning, but also for your 13 years of service at EG, uh, including your stellar decision-making uh, in your time as editor, uh, which included interviewing and appointing me. Uh, everybody has an off day. <laughs> One of my wisest decisions, <laughs> Jess. Uh, I hope your new role at Ing uh, proves immensely rewarding and may your future be filled with good music, great food, and interesting toilets. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> to those at home, you have been listening to EG Like Sunday Morning. And there you go. That's that. Wow. How was that, Ryan? <laughs>